Welcome to Empire Sports Media, New York Giants podcast, Keeping Up with the G-Men. I'm your host, Alexander Wilson, with my two co-hosts, Anthony Rivardo and Christian Morell. Today, we're going to be going through various topics, including the fourth day of OTAs, and I want to talk about the secondary, and if, these, if this unit can be great, the offensive line, a few mistakes Dave Gettleman's made along the way, um, and just kind of work through the entirety of OTAs and who looked good, who looked bad, quarterbacks and uh, everything in between. It's a little slow now, being that it's OTAs and not everyone's showing up, but we're going to try our best to you know get through everything that we need to and uh, keep you guys informed with uh, the daily progressions of the Giants. So to start off, I want to talk a little bit about the secondary and Jabril Peppers and Antoine Bethea, um, both of which were brought in this offseason to help revamp the secondary. Bethea had a fantastic day today, intercepting a, a pass from uh, Eli Manning. Uh, Manning was tossing the ball in every which direction out of bounds. A pretty rough day for the Giants starter, but I do not think by any means this indicates uh, that he will not be the starter come week one of the regular season. Jones is in his role um, developing, and this is his Eli's team to run. But Peppers and Bethea, I think, could be a fantastic duo. Uh, after the practice, Shermer stated Bethea had an interception today. He's communicating really well with Jabril Peppers. You can see they're in the right spots, and we're really pleased with, with where they're at. And that's a really big point to me is positioning, especially for the safeties. Uh, we saw Curtis Riley last year and his disastrous angles, and he looked like he was lost. Um, so I'm kind of happy that we have somebody with veteran leadership, someone that can come in there and be in the right places at the right times. But they had 121 combined tackles last year. He knows the game. He's, he's a 13-year veteran. He's going to help your Bill Peppers a ton um, in developing his game as a strong safety because he used to be th- th- in that position, and then he transferred over to free safety with age, um, kind of playing a ball hawk type of player. But uh, do you guys think that he's going to be you know, that, that leader for Peppers and the other rookies? Um, Peppers going into his third year. I like this duo, and I like kind of the, the experience and the lack of and helping each other, the athleticism that Peppers brings to the table. Everything about this duo says success, but, you know, Bethea is aging, and we know that Peppers is coming from a, a team that doesn't really, didn't really utilize him how he's supposed to. Do you think that they are going to be good together or not? I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, you know, where I think they're going to they're gonna go with this. I think they'll be a solid duo. I think Bethea is a clear and obvious upgrade over Curtis Riley. Just about anybody would have been. But <laughs> Bethea had 121 tackles last year. He's still a solid player despite his age. The only question that I have is will he be able to last this full season? Because he only started in six games last year, or uh, two years ago, sorry. Last year he played and started in all 16, but he's, what is it, 34 now? It's just, you know, he could end up not making it all the way through the season. Yeah, what I like about this duo is that they can do what they're best at. You know, Bethea, he has tons of experience and knows where to be on the back end, and it's going to let Peppers do everything else. So, uh, you know, even if Bethea is a little bit better at strong safety at this point, uh, it's letting Peppers do what he's best at. So I think that's what's most important there. Right, and I think that Bethea, you know, like you said, Anthony, he is injury-prone. He missed a few games two years ago. Uh, my concern is really who's behind him. I think they have Sean Chandler back there who, like, is missing OTAs right now and barely has a roster spot. So that's really my main concern is if he goes down or he's not playing well, you know, and I think he will play fine, more, more or less that the health is the main concern. Who is going to fill in for him? 
and um, that would be the major downfall of this secondary. I, I imagine they bring in someone later in the offseason as a, like a late, when guys start to get cut, um, veterans, they can definitely bring in some, somebody to help out, just uh, play a reserve role on, on a cheap deal. But I think uh, you make a good point there. Yeah, I don't think they'd need to bring anybody in because uh, two of the cornerbacks that they ended up drafting, they can play free safety. Julian Love and Corey Ballantyne both have played some free safety in college, and they could make that transition in the NFL if they need to. I don't know if I would trust Ballantyne, though, as a free safety. Maybe Love, um, because Haley can manage in the slot. But I don't know. Ballantyne has, like, this lanky figure, and he's he's super, you know, he just got shot in the butt. He's still um, a little wobbly. But, you know, he... um, I don't know if he can make that transition over to, to free safety. Well, Love has played more safety than Ballantyne has. And like you said, he's going to be a better tackler than Ballantyne. So I think like in some sub packages where you only have maybe like four or five guys who aren't defensive backs, that's when you can get Ballantyne in there and at least early on and try to, you know, maybe force some turnovers. But I think Ballantyne is going to be more of a uh, traditional corner. Right. And I think Ballantyne will stay at the corner position. He, they drafted him in the sixth round, um, but he was projected as a fourth rounder. Um, so he has the skills. He has the ability to, to play at the NFL level. A lot of, a lot of scouts and coaches, um, I, I was seeing that they liked him as, as a prospect. He has very long arms, dangling like Ivy, one of them said. So he has the physical attributes, and he's very quick and fast on the ball. Um, but I just don't think his fundamentals are there yet. He's a little slow um, in, in man coverage. He can't you know, keep up with some of the faster receivers. That's where he's going to have to develop. So I think you know, give him some time, maybe a year. Jenkins will help uh, develop him a lot as the veteran of the group um, and see how he progresses. But I think that keeping him at corner is, is a good move because they don't have any depth there right now. I imagine they'll bring someone in as well at the corner spot, if not the, the safety, uh, free safety spot. But like as of right now, I like to keep him there and kind of just let him develop behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, all the uh, the young guys need to develop before they're ready to go. And Bethea and Jenkins are both going to play their part in developing them. So that's just what it's about is can these guys develop and Ballantyne is also a really solid player on special teams, so that's where he's going to do most of his work. That's a good point. I, I like I like him at, um, on special teams as well. And I'll say this about our safety duo. If they stay healthy, I think they could end up being a top 10 duo. I mean, I think Peppers is going to be all over the field, and Bethea really showed that he really knows what he's doing on the back end last year. It's... You know, he made that transition just because he understands so much about the game at this point. Right, and yes, he actually had three sacks, which should be interesting to see how Betcher utilizes him in uh, the packages where he, he's using the free safety to blitz. Because if he's racking up 121 tackles, if he had four passes defended, he can make those plays in the backfield. So it's going to be really interesting to see what how Betcher utilizes this, this team of athletes because... I love um, how how Betcher, you know, focuses on blitzing. I remember with Arizona, he was, like, exponentially more um, focused on blitzing than any other team in the league. And that kind of makes me excited to see what he's going to do with Peppers and Bethea and use them as kind of like like a switch-off. I can totally see him, like, using the unpredictability factor and kind of 
you know, baiting teams' defenses with peppers up at the line of scrimmage, and then forcing uh, Bethea around the edge. So, oh yeah, they're cool. yeah they're definitely interchangeable, and I find that exciting too. Yeah, I think that's a really cool point. Yeah, Peppers is a great Swiss Army knife. He can play everywhere, slot, free safety, strong safety, some linebacker. So Betcher will definitely find a way to get him to blitz off the edge at times. Right, right. So I kind of want to move on to the offensive line and if they can, you know, live up to expectation after what was a a pretty good offseason of rebuilding it. Um, last year at this time, we still had Eric Flowers featuring at right tackle, uh, which is mind-blowing to me. And then we had Patrick Omame experiment of, like, what was it, five games. Um, so Gettleman kind of made a few mistakes here in the process, but ultimately he got to where we needed to be with the offensive line. I really like how we got there. Um, we didn't spend too much money on players that, you know, didn't end up working out. We did sign Nate Solder to a huge contract. We talked a little bit last week about, you know, how he struggled in the first half of the season and why. Um, Just to to take a look back, um, Nate Solder with Tom Brady uh, actually was so much different than he's going to be with Eli Manning. So Tom Brady took a much bigger drop back, and Nate Solder would often, you know, force edge rushers around the outside and Tom Brady would step up in the pocket. So now moving over to the Giants, Eli Manning takes a, a far less um, uh, drop back. Actually, I think it's reversed. I think Tom Brady's actually... Yeah, it's the up. other way around. Yeah, Tom Brady took a, actually a, a shorter drop back. Eli Manning takes a longer drop back. So he was able to push guys around the edge um, behind Brady. And for Eli, he pushed them right into Eli instead. So that was kind of the, the, the idea that he had to amend and adjust to. So... Now, after half the season was over and he was pretty much terrible, he actually started to pick it up. I know he had a lingering, I think, ankle injury of sorts. Um, it was a neck injury. A neck injury, okay. So I'm sure these guys have tons of, uh, tons of nicks and knacks, but yeah. a neck injury uh, definitely restricts his, way, his, his range of motion. So, you know, looking at how he performed in the second half of the year, it's, it's really impressive to see you know, him pick up uh, where he left off with New England and now going into 2019, and he has the chemistry with Will Hernandez. Like, I love that left side of the line. John Halapio coming back. I know he was, a, he was like a, a practice squad guy before actually becoming a starter on the Giants. They have Spencer Pulley actually was uh, taking most of the first team reps today at OTAs. But they had uh, Halapio mixed in there. I'm sure he'll get back up to speed. But I think that, that'll be another interesting position battle to you know, look at. But do you guys like the combination of Nate Solder and Will Hernandez, or do you like Kevin Zeitler and Mike Remmers? That, those are two you know, sides of the line, and, and they could go either way. I think the left side's stronger, in my personal opinion, because Remmers isn't as good as people are advertising. Um, but what do you think about that? Yeah, that's how I feel. I think the left side is definitely better if you just average it out. But I think Zeitler is the best offensive lineman that we have. He just happens to be paired with Remmers, and I don't think Remmers is really just a fantastic player like Giants Twitter seems to think. But I think Hernandez, going into his second year, he's going to continue to just be a monster, and he's only going to get better. And uh, Solder really proved that he he is a franchise left tackle after he uh, recovered from that injury last season. The second half of the year, he was a much better player. And, yeah, I just, I'm a little scared about Remmers on that right side. I don't, I don't think he's going to meet expectations. Yeah, I don't think he will either. Uh, yeah, you got... 
that left side, you know, that I think that should be everybody's favorite. Uh, you know, both players are proven at this point. Uh, Zeitler's the best lineman, but I don't like what's on either side of him. I mean, mm. uh, Jalapio, uh, that's just one of Gettleman's big guys. Uh, Omame was one of them. If, if you're big, he thinks you're good. So that's why he tried to stick with Flowers for a little while longer, but couldn't work out. Right, right. But, and, um, yeah. Yeah, but at this point, uh, you know, I think they have three respectable starters on the line. Uh, I don't think, I think most teams don't have all five. So, I at this point, I think they're a decent line. Just having three out of five is probably the baseline around the league. Yeah, I mean, Remmers, honestly, he is a big question mark to me. I could see Chad Wheeler coming in and actually winning that starting job. Yeah, it um, wouldn't be surprising. That's what I'm saying. You know, Wheeler is not good. <laughs> I'm not going to say he's good at all. He's pretty bad. But Remmers also isn't good. And that's that's my main concern. I mean, they signed him to a pretty cheap deal. Um, he's not the best player. He's coming off back surgery. We don't know what we're getting in him. He can replace Wheeler. But Wheeler, I don't think, is much worse. I think he's actually a little bit better in terms of health. Um, and just... I think interchanging them based on the matchup actually could be an interesting move they might pull, um, seeing, you know, Wheeler's strength versus Remmer's strength and matching them up based on who they're playing. Um, that could be a, a, something inter- interesting to utilize um, to, or to think about um, to keep Remmer's healthy because that, that, that's going to be a major concern for us over the year, you know, coming off a surgery that's pretty, pretty significant. Um, we have to ensure that he is okay and can get through the entire year. So interchanging them could be useful. And Zeitler, the guy is an absolute like monster. If you've seen him, he, he's, he's terrifying looking. Like, going up against him would terrify me. I mean, given I'm like 5'9", 162 pounds, he would eat me alive. <laughs> but like, if I was bigger um, and you know facing off against him, I'd be terrified. The guy is like a miniature version of Hulk. If you look at his arms, he's terrifying. So I am so I'm so happy to have him on this team. You, I can't express to you, you know, how excited I am to finally have a guy at right guard that isn't named John Jerry or Patrick <laughs> Omame. Um, I know we're paying a little bit more for Zeitler, but I'm totally fine with paying for quality on the offensive line. The offensive line is essential to Eli Manning's success. We know this, but people seem to always forget or avoid this entire point. You know, they're always, oh, like, look at 2016, you know, the offensive line was good then. I'm like, yeah, and they made the playoffs. Like, that's like that's their argument. It's like, oh, 2016, he had a good offensive line. I'm like, yes, and he did well. Like, <laughs> that's that's my concern. And people, you know, hate on Eli Manning. And I, I'm the first one to say age is absolutely catching up with him. Uh, I'm really excited to see, you know, what happens after Eli Manning. But at this point, I think that he still has a little bit of juice left in his arm. I think we give him, they're giving him that shot this year with a good offensive line and protection and more than a second to, to throw the ball. And this team is, this offense is going to operate at a much higher level than, than we've seen in, a, in the past. I'm really honestly worried more about the, the wide receiver group to, and seeing if they can really get open. Having a guy like OBJ that draws two or three receivers is very, very nice. Um, or having a top guy, a top receiver that can really draw those players away. Um, I don't think Golden Tate or Sterling Shepard draws two players at a time. I think they're they're single single coverage kind of kind of guys. 
Um, so that's kind of my concern. Do you think that Eli Manning is going to be better than he's been in recent years, or based on the offensive line, or you know, how do you how do you see this offense operating, and if I, if Eli can can really step up and, and do the job? Well, I see the offensive line being light years ahead of where it was last year, of course, because I just think Zeitler is going to make such a huge impact. I think he really was worth every penny that they have to pay him after trading for him, but. It's just it remains to be seen whether it will translate to success for Eli Manning. It's 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 a crapshoot at this point. Well, I think they're really trying to play offense like the Dallas Cowboys. I think they just want it to run through the running back, and any time they throw the ball, it's a surprise. And if Eli can play that way, he can still put some really good games together. Uh, I mean, he had some nearly perfect games last year, a couple of them when everything was clicking. So. I, I just think he needs a lot of help at this point, and it's just a matter of how much help he's going to get. But I, I think he's going to look a little bit better than last year, just just with that improvement with the line. Right, and, you know, Eli's biggest strength is the play action. We've been saying this for so long. Eli and the play action are meant to be. They are a married couple. And Saquon is the perfect running back for the play action. Why? Because he can pet, he can catch the ball better than most receivers. The guy didn't drop a pass, or he dropped one or two passes last year out of like the 90 targets he had. So, you know, we're looking at a guy that can make Eli look so much better than Ahmad Bradshaw or Brandon Jacobs did. He can He's both Bradshaw and Jacobs mashed into one and better than that. That's how good this player is. And I don't, I think, you know, that is one... I start to get angry when people are like, oh, you know, we should have drafted a quarterback last year. I'm like, yes, I understand. Sam Donald is good, and, you know, Josh Rosen is getting traded left and right. Um, <laughs> Baker Mayfield was impossible because he was drafted before him. He's the only one that really impressed me last year. Um, and, and that's my biggest, my biggest concern with, with people that say that is that they don't see, you know, we have a running back in Saquon Barkley that can not only run but can catch and can block, and he's the face of a franchise. He's... He, this guy is is a gem of a human being, you know. He's going to be, you know, representing this team in a light that we've seen Eli Manning do for years. And the funny thing is, he's even better than Eli Manning because he talks. He actually speaks to people. Like Eli Manning is like tone deaf half the time. I don't even <laughs> I didn't even know he spoke English until like last year when he actually said something. <laughs> so you know that that's that's my biggest argument is like we have a guy in Saquon Barkley that is so talented, and the argument that. You know, he should have taken a quarterback. He would have sat anyway. He would have sat for a year, two years, maybe three years at this point. So that entire argument is thrown out the window. It is Eli Manning's team, and Daniel Jones is just living in Eli's world right now. And that's the biggest thing. Well, I think fans would feel better if we knew for a fact he would play 10-plus years and be the special player that he is for that long. But a lot of people think about the position and how quick they wear down. And a lot of people probably vision Saquon Barkley you know being not quite this dynamic in five or six years so you know I, I think it was a win now draft pick I think it was with the assumption that Eli can play a lot longer and then the very next year we get our quarterback so you know I just think uh, the fan base might have been a little rattled by such a quick uh, change of direction right from... you know I, I see I agree with you but my my counter would be Saquon Barkley is going to be great for six let's say starting last year who's going to be good for six or seven years at a at a very high level 
and six or seven years with now that we have Daniel Jones coming in next year, he has three or four premium years, and we have a so we have a quarterback coming off a year behind a, a two-time Super Bowl winning guy in Eli, and Saquon Barkley, a revamped secondary, a revamped offensive line. Like those are the type of pro- progressions and the progress that we needed to see from this team. And next year, when those when those all come together into one cohesive unit, this year is going to be a little like, okay, Eli, here's your last chance. Like here's a bone. But next year is going to be the is going to be the year where we can really start to judge this team and and you know objectify against the the moves that Gettleman made. We're going to see these moves if they've if they've panned out or not because you can't judge a rookie you know like DeAndre Baker or Julian Love. You can't judge these guys off of one season off the rookie season. So if they don't look good, next year is going to be their chance to be like, okay, this is my this is my my comeback year and this is the year where the whole team needs to come together. Well, if here's the thing, like if Sam Darnold is like way better than Daniel Jones, that's when the Saquon pick starts to be questionable because, you know, quarterback is most important. So, but if those two are near each other, that's, that's when I'll prefer Saquon. But like you said, you know, we need a few years before we really get to any conclusion. Yeah. The Saquon pick and the Daniel Jones pick go hand in hand. If Daniel Jones bottoms out, then the Saquon pick looks awful. If Sam Darnold ends up being good. But if Daniel Jones ends up being the guy that the Giants believe he can be, then both of those picks look like absolute home runs. Oh, and that's, credit to Gettleman. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. And Daniel Jones really, like, uh, let's, let's take, a, take a step back and say that Saquon Barkley makes quarterbacks look better. He was half of Eli Manning's stats last year. The guy had 15 total touchdowns. I mean, he had more. He almost had more touchdowns than Eli had touchdown passes. Like we're talking about a player that's that mm. talented. He can almost replicate the the production of a quarterback. He almost replicated Eli Manning's statistics, and he played every single game. And that's the sad how good this thing is. What did it amount to? I mean, that's that's right. the tough part. But, right, right. And but you know, he is absolutely a bridge for a young quarterback. They, oh, no question. Absolutely. No question. He he is going to make Jones look far better than he actually is, and that's just the reality of how he good he is. Jones is going to be like, okay, like I'm just going to check down to him every single time. But that's a bad thing. It's it's a bad habit for a quarterback to get into to just rely on the running back too much because, at a certain point, we're going to get to, you know the scenario where there's a guy wide open running across the middle of the field and he's going to be like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm throwing it to Saquon Barkley because it's the easy choice and we know Saquon's going to you know, make a play out of it. But at the same time, Saquon's also going to take a battering or, and a beating because he's going to get the ball so much and we know he's not going to say no to more touches. The, he, he's a team first player. The guy is, you know, I can't express how different of a player he is than Odell Beckham Jr., equally as talented, Far better, better in the media. Yeah, and honestly, I think he can be better, and he's healthy. Like, for a running back, we're, we're talking about a running back compared to a wide receiver. I don't really know the details of, you know, what position gets injured more, but I can imagine a running back is probably pretty equal, if not more, injuries than a wide receiver. And we're talking about a guy that looked like he broke every bone in, in his body last year, tore every ligament in his knee, and just got up and kept going. Like, this guy is, is another level. Yeah, I remember the um, the play versus Carolina where he jumped into the end zone. It looked yep. like his back was just shot, and he ended up being completely fine. He is just a tank. He is a special human, like you said. And I'm really happy that the Giants have him, but again, we're going to have to see in years along the road how Sam Darnold progresses, how Daniel Jones progresses, and in 
maybe a decade from now we'll look back and we'll either say the Saquon Barkley pick was amazing or we'll say it was the wrong decision. We just can't get that answer now. Right, yeah, that's true. And I actually want to ask you guys a question before we get into the final segment. Um, I want to ask, do you think that Sam Darnold would have benefited from a year off behind a veteran, even like Ryan Fitzpatrick or whoever it might have been, even Joe Flacco, who knows? Um, Do you think that he would have benefited from sitting behind a veteran, learning the process, learning the preparation? I mean, looking at the weapons that he had last year and like Robbie Anderson, um, Jermaine Curse, he had nobody. Like his team was trash. His offensive line was trash. So we're looking at a guy that that was sacked like thirty times, thirty three times. Um, his inter- I think he had like fifteen interceptions, seventeen touchdowns uh, in his ratio. Uh, I think that he would have benefited from a year just like Daniel Jones is now. Um, and, and so in that argument, you say if you if you like turn it back a year and say okay, if the Giants took Sam Darnold. He's sitting one year, probably not. He's probably sitting two years because the Giants can't get rid of Eli Manning like that, and that's just the reality of it. I think they would have this year. You think so? I think having that first-round quarterback on the roster and seeing the way Eli looked this year, whether the line was poor or not, I just think the move would have came. I think the world would have called for it. Right. I just think Eli, just he, he's it's his like decision to retire. He The team has to be, you know... At his beck and you know beck and call every single time. It's not really about um, the the drafting of a new quarterback. It's about is Eli ready to retire? Can we can we you know kick him out and it look natural? Because he's not going to another team. You know he, he's he's retiring if if he's gone, and that's just the reality of it. Well, yeah, there's no way he goes to another team. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Sam Darnold didn't start Week One last year, right? Yeah, he's also injured a few games, so like that shows you. Well, that's that's not exactly where I'm going to go with it, but uh, I think Josh McCown started, oh, right. yeah, and then after a few weeks he got in there and he didn't look quite ready, and then he got benched or injured maybe, and McCown went and played again, but then when he came back, once he had more than half of a season now of sitting, he looked really, really good in the last month of the season, and uh, of course, sitting helps, they learn, but sometimes they just got to get out there, maybe get benched, come back in. You know, I think really what happened with Sam Darnold was perfect for him. He got some experience, he sat for a bit, and then he got to come back after learning and having experience. I think that was just perfect for him because he looked pretty good at the end of the year. Well, they want, they, he started week one, but he did miss a couple weeks there. Uh, his, his first game was actually pretty good, too. And I was I was impressed with Darnold for being able to tread water in a lot of those games just as a raw rookie like that. But I I don't doubt that it would have been good for him to sit behind a veteran and learn. Right, and and my biggest concern is kind of the Jets botched that entire developmental process. They they they, they put Josh McGowan in front of him. Like, what kind of quarterback is Josh McGowan to be teaching their next franchise passer? You know. Like we have Eli Manning, the guy's won two Super Bowls. He knows how to prepare. He he's a little he's a little dumb sometimes when he has the ball throwing lefty. <laughs> you know he, he makes those silly mistakes, but the guy knows how to win games, um, just based on his track record. Josh McGowan is is not the guy you want teaching. Now, as I don't care how good friends Josh McGowan and Sam Donald were, because I know there was reports like oh they're such best friends they hang out all the time. I don't really care how good friends they are. I want the quarterback teaching my the next quarterback of this franchise for the next 10 to 15 years to be actually good. 
Like, that is a huge, a huge disservice they did to Darnold. They gave him a crappy quarterback to teach him how to play quarterback. Like, fantastic. Like, that's such a Jets move. Um, but <laughs> Well, of him... course, but it's not just the quarterback who's teaching him. They've, of course, got their whole coaching staff, and you can debate whether or not they've got the right staff in place to teach Darnold. But over the next 10 years, he'll learn on his own. I'm sure it would have been a great luxury for him to have someone like Eli Manning in front of him, but he just didn't have that opportunity, and he looks like he's going to shape out just fine to me. Right, and you know that's that's the reality. Not all teams have a guy like Eli to to help. Uh, yeah, you know, the Giants are actually one. really lucky to have somebody like that. Yeah, that's that's true, and you know Sam Darnold probably will be fine, and they just got Le'Veon Bell for him, so I believe he'll actually be more than fine. Um, yeah, but I want to move on to our last segment of the show. And this is going to be a game segment. We're going to start doing this every single week and kind of playing different games to see where this team's at and what our thoughts are on, on the progression of the, of the roster as a whole and where it's going and who needs to, to be addressed, what positions need to be addressed more and less. Um, so the game today is one position of need and one position, position that generally just scares you. So to start, I'll, I guess I'll go first. <laughs> yeah, for go for it. The first position of need... I have to I have to go with pass rusher. And the reason is we have O'Shane Eximenes, who is coming from Old Dominion, the first player ever drafted out of this school. So we don't know what we have in him. He hasn't faced NFL talent. I am terrified to see him face NFL ta- talent because he could be a huge bust based on that factor alone. I've seen, you know, he has some great fundamentals. He has some very advanced moves coming from a smaller school, so I, I like what I saw in the, from that angle, but I don't know if he's going to be able to translate the next level so quickly. He might need a year or two, um, but I, we also have uh, Marcus Golden, who's t- t- two, three years away um, from a good season. I think it was 2016, he had 12 and a half sacks, so we're looking at a guy that we're banking on for production he had two years ago, three years ago, um, and that does not you know, look bright to me. I don't like that at all. We don't have anyone generally that has produced in the past. I mean, Lorenzo Carter has tons of potential, but he didn't produce that much last season. So we're really putting a lot of our chips in on three guys that are not proven and have a ton of optimism. Don't get me wrong, but no actual data to back up their, their, this optimism whatsoever. Um, but for my, for my uh, position that scares me, it's linebacker because we have, you know, Alec Ogletree and B.J. Goodson. I, I'm okay with Ogletree being there as an inside linebacker. I do not like Goodson because he is very, very risky when it comes to health. He always gets injured, and we're always trying to fill, guy, fill you know, players into that role, like Tay Davis, um, whoever it might be this time around. We never really know what is going to happen in that position. Now we have Ryan Connolly, and I like him, and I like his upside, but he also is going to need some time to adjust to the physicality and speed of the NFL um, so that's that kind of second inside, like, uh, inside linebacker position that I'm really worried about that scares me because that could fall off really quickly. This defense is very thin in multiple positions. They revamped the secondary, but they really did not do much to address the other positions. Yeah, um, to touch on your position of need, pass rusher is obviously the biggest position of need, but I'll pick another one. But I know a player who they definitely could have gotten in the first round this year that would have definitely helped their pass rush. Don't even say his name. His name isn't allowed here. <laughs> uh, anyway, the position of need for me is the same one that scares you as linebacker. I think they just need to upgrade. I don't think Alec Ogletree is a great player that some 
think he is. I, he missed a lot of assignments. He he was a liability in coverage despite the five interceptions that fell into his hands most of the time. They just eventually, Jerry Reese ignored the position, and I, I fear Dave Gettleman's going to do the same thing. Eventually they do need to upgrade at linebacker because Goodson is not good, and I think Alec Ogletree is just overrated. Uh, and the position that scares me is quarterback. I'm just terrified of what's going on there. <laughs> Eli, he's you know he's 38. It's, it's time to move on. I think we're all in agreement there that it's got to happen sooner than later. But also, I'm scared of Daniel Jones. I'm not really the full Daniel Jones supporter that some people are. I think Haskins was the better quarterback, and I think Darnold was the better of those three. It's just... It's kind of a mess the way that they went about this. I really hope Daniel Jones pans out, and I hope Eli has a good year this year. But it's just, it's it's scary to me. Yeah, as far as our Daniel Jones evaluations, we all just have to hope we were wrong. Exactly. <laughs> and that Saquon can make him look good every game. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, my position of need really is pass rusher because – like you said, there's just not much proven talent there right now, and there's some potential. Um, some people are excited about O'Shane Zimenez, and I don't think you're going to get a ton of ton from him in his rookie year. Um, I think he really needs to adjust to the the you know the the competition in the NFL. And my position that scares me is going to be right tackle because uh, you know both of them might be decent backups over there with Rummers and Wheeler, but I don't think either of them should be starting for a team. Uh, Wheeler is pretty much at the bottom of PFS ratings in just about every metric, and Rummers, we've seen it. I mean, any team he's played for, the fans just complain about him. Uh, you know, I, I can't think of any Vikings fans that have really appreciated the guy or Panthers fans. Uh, I remember watching him get completely exploited in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sure, it's not going to be Von Miller every week, but you got to compete a little better than that. I mean, and that was years ago. I mean, at this point, you know, Wheeler's so much younger, he might actually be better, and that's that's scary. Right, yeah, and I, I agree with you there. Remmers is a huge question mark, and we know Chad Wheeler sucks. So this right tackle spot, <laughs> this right tackle spot generally wasn't upgraded. Like we need to get that, make that very clear. This position was masked by the idea of oh, Remmers, you know, he's a free agent that's better than Chad Wheeler. They still are both garbage, and like that's a reality that we're gonna have to face, and we're gonna have to hope that Zeitler can grow an extra set of arms to block <laughs> not only the interior defender but also the pass rusher coming <laughs> for Eli Manning's head. Luckily, Eli Manning can see to his right side. Fairly, old age has taken a little, a little bit off his sight. But, you know, hopefully he can avoid step into the pocket or, you know, the left side can dominate to a level where he can, he can move over a little bit. Yeah, I want to say one more thing about Eli. Uh, you mentioned him with the pressure. If he wants to play this year, he better not just fall to the ground when someone's five feet away. You better be taking hits if you want to play this last year. Right. This is his chance to shine in Really, this is his last opportunity to prove that he can he can do it at this at the next level. Um, I I honestly believe that the Giants are set in stone with this is his last season. He's not getting any more than this, so he's got to win now or forever hold your peace. Agreed, definitely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, to keeping up with the G Men. Thank you to our co-hosts Anthony Rivardo and Christian Morell. Be sure to tune in next week for episode five.